This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> Kia ora and welcome to episode 109 of the Half Bishes Podcast. I'm once again joined by my friend and co-host, Paul Knauer. How you doing, Paul? Kia ora, Dan. I am good. I really wish listeners could see just before you hit record the the countdown that you give us every week, the the professional five, four, three, and then you don't say the two or the one. It's, it's so professional and you, you're committed to it. Uh, well, I don't think I'm. You know, I used to just do three, two, one. Yeah. And I, I just sort of like, like just mouth the one. Um, and then I, I saw something, and it was like actually they do five, four, three, two, one, and then they, I think they just do the silent three, two, one. I don't know. Look, I'm, look, I'm learning, Paul. This is you know episode one hundred and nine. Check back in at episode two hundred. See whether I've really kind of perfected my craft. Two hundred. Are we doing two hundred? Wow, I didn't sign up for that. I um I've watched uh, the Obi Wan Kenobi trailer another five or six times this week. I said I wouldn't, and I just got myself into a wormhole—not of watching different videos, but just a wormhole of just focusing in on that one video and just pausing it. And I have become one of those people that you hate on the internet. Every time I see the the poster or you know, and sort of a, a banner in the in the media bar of uh, Kenobi, it, it just looks so good. I've I think I might have watched the trailer maybe in total three or four times, but I've really tried to go cold turkey on it because I just, it's, oh, I'm so excited. I, you know, I can feel the force. I, I feel it too. And I can't wait till we get there. What are we now, March? So just two months, two days to go is at the time of recording. Amazing. It's the greatest thing I'm looking forward to this year, Paul. Can't wait. That's good. I'm glad that's on the record. Um, okay. Well, Paul. As an age-old tradition, what have you been watching? Okay, so other than our movie of the week, Dan, I actually only have one thing to talk about, but it is a total of 10 hours runtime altogether, so that's probably why it's taken up most of my time. And it's season one of the 2022 HBO series, The Gilded Age. So this, this is available in New Zealand on Neon, and... Yes, yeah, so it's about 10 hours. It starts with a 90-minute feature-length premiere, and then it's about an hour, an episode after that. And the ninth episode uh, just dropped this week, so that is the, the ninth episode of season one. Season two is a rumour at this point. Um, and this was written and created by uh, Julian Fellows, who is, of course, creator of Downton Abbey, Gosford Park, and Belgravia that I talked about a few months ago. And the premise for this one... It's about a, a, a wide-eyed young girl uh, from a conservative family who embarks on a mission to infiltrate the wealthy neighbouring clan dominated by a ruthless railroad tycoon and his ambitious wife. Dan, as a Neon subscriber, I'm sure you've seen the you know the poster cards for this and things. I have, and we, we actually talked about this uh, a few episodes ago in our, I think it might have been on our news desk, um, and I'm... Um, so this isn't a, a follow-on from Downton Abbey, is it? It's a completely different storyline. Yeah, com- completely different. Um, it's it it is a series that follows you know characters who are either upper class or, or servants, 
And so I guess, you know, there's been a lot of comparisons drawn to the Downton Abbey creator, the fact that he's written it, the fact that it's on the poster, but it really is very different with the exception of the upstairs, downstairs being the, the only likeness to draw this. So, so Downton is kind of, you know, about the one place. This is actually more of a, this is like a, a Neighbours from Hell 19th century edition. Um, it's set in 1882 um, and it's, uh, so you've got the old money family on one side of the street and the new money family on the the other side of the street. And you could almost, it's in New York City, so I guess you could almost imagine it's like a, a 19th century Fifth Ave. Um, old money being, for those of you not as cultured as myself, uh, the uh, <laughs> someone who's coming to money through inherited wealth or you know, from, from an established upper class family and new money being you know, people whose wealth has been acquired you know, within their own generation and actually gone out. Like and you and it. I, Paul. Like you yeah. and I, gone out and got it, right? We've got it from the Patreon supporters, you know. That, that's <laughs> where new money. That's what it is. Um, and I had a wonderful time watching this. I really did. Um, there's What's interesting about this and what I like about it is there's very few characters to actually like. Um, which is an odd thing to say, or at least in the upstairs, because normally you, well, I always find out, you know, you can sort of relate into the the, the working class, the people, the real people, as opposed to all the hoity-toities. Um, so, you know, the, the obvious comparison to Downton Abbey, you know, even though you've got that upstairs, downstairs, a lot of the upstairs people in Downton were, as you know, quite likable people with, with nice qualities and all the rest of it. Um, but the Gilded Age, give or take a couple of characters, they're all despicable out for themselves selfish they'll look down their nose at you and so it makes it a really interesting watch because there's no one that you're sort of really rooting for in, in that sense it looks like it's got some fantastic reviews just looking on imdb like a lot of those episodes are you know eights or nines and it's a it's a pretty good sign isn't it for a, a new tv show it is and i i think you know julian fellows is is, is, is just really talented and if there's one thing this podcast I think has taught me it's probably that you well actually probably not to slag off a movie and then have the writer listen to the podcast that's one thing I learned but the second thing I've learned is if you give me a choice between um a good writer and an average director or an average writer and a, and a good director I, I will choose the good writer every time it's always the writing that wins for me and the you know the direction of this series is fine. I'm not slagging off the direction of this of this series, but the writing is just, the dialogue is just superb in terms of they're just so cutting and awful, and and then you combine that with all the things that you can probably see from the photos, you know, production value, the sets, extravagant costumes, um, great opening credits, music. Um, there's just there's so much to enjoy here, and the story you know really keeps you interested. My I guess my probably I only got a couple of criticisms but one of them would actually just be when I said the story keeps you interested it's probably the runtime um for me like it's you know about an hour long is I'd rather have almost 12 episodes at maybe 40 minutes or something I like to watch two shows a night with a palate cleanser and this is this, this is tough but I'm sure most people aren't as dozy and this old is as what, me probably a two cup of tea per episode show for you Paul that's it it's well yeah this is the thing you always go to two cups of tea two episodes but one long hour an episode one cup of tea is not enough but two might be too much we're really getting into the details there but if that's my biggest criticism I would say there's not too much to to really to, to say no to with this the cast is 
really, really good. Um, the issue of racism is really central to this in, in 19th century New York. And there's some really horrible moments for this. Um, uh, Danae, Danae Benton's character, Peggy, um, she has to endure quite a few things and it's, but she's one of the strongest characters in the show as well. And so, um, you know, you're really rooting for her and she, you know, she's strong and her performance is fantastic. Morgan Spector, who you and I would know from Homeland. He's, he's brilliant as the ruthless railroad tycoon, uh, Christine Baranski, who I think I only know as Leonard's mum from the big bang theory. She is absolutely standout. She's the old money across the street who's not having a bar of any of these working class people. But you can't really call them working class because these are they are they own this mansion of a palace. It's incredible. But um oh and Cynthia Nixon. Uh she I mean if you're a fan of uh, Sex and the City, she's very, very different in this, obviously, and um just showed another side to her acting ability. She was really, really, really good too. It's interesting, right, just looking at the IMDb page of the, the cast, you're almost my, like my bias almost comes out because I can almost just looking at these uh, actors, I can almost sort of tell whether they're going to be a new money or an old money or what they're going to be like. And I think, you know, great shout on Christine Berensky because instantly looking at her, like you can, she looks like old money. Oh, yeah. She's got that vibe. Yeah, and she's, she's so good as old money. I mean, it's, I mean, yeah, the casting is is just right Right down to every little detail is just perfect. Um, the guy who plays Bannister, Simon Jones, absolute legend. Let, let me test this theory, Paul. So Carrie Coon, who plays uh, Bertha Russell, yep. new new money, new money. Um, Harry Richardson, um, who is Larry Russell. Yeah. I would either say like downstairs or new money. New money. Okay. Uh, let's try another one. Cynthia Nixon is Ada Brooke. Old money. Old money. God. You're on I, it. Have you, you should watch this. You, I should. I should. You're I'm four from it. four. Yeah. It's great. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just, I mean, I'm coming through so positive. I need to come with some balance. So I would say maybe um, there are, maybe there's a couple of cliche moments here and there. And the story, so with Peggy's story, her, her character kind of gets accepted into this White household almost how do I say, not too easily, but almost too conveniently. And, but I'm really picking holes. It's, it's, it's just a wonderful watch. And I, I, I do feel that, you know, it's, it's early days, but this could be a, a shortlist series for me already for a potential top TV of 2022 podcast at the end of the year. I'd give it all the guns. It's a hundred percent recommendation and you can watch it on Neon. I love that, Paul. It's a, Look, we've been talking about the show for a while, and I think you, you've given it a glowing review. Let's uh, add it to the watch list. I like it. Good stuff. So that is me, Dan. What about you? All right. So I'm coming in. I've got a, a movie and a, a TV show. And so the movie today that I'm talking about is 2015's Creed. So this movie is on Prime Video here in New Zealand. And this is a movie – this is basically a, a – a follow-up to the the Rocky movies, if you remember, with Sylvester Stallone. And the the premise of this movie is uh, 
that is about uh, you may remember from was it Rocky Rocky two and mm-hmm. three um, when uh, Rocky's fighting fighting Creed and this is basically his son who's sort of you know he's he's kind of grown up um, in like family homes he's been in sort of some sort of like youth detention he's kind of got he's got fighting in his blood and all he wants to do is become a become a fighter and but he doesn't want to do it based on his sort of father's legacy and he unfortunately never met his father uh his father died before he was born so he's kind of got this this real tension he he goes to Sylvester Stallone as Rocky to um, basically see if he'll train him Sylvester Stallone he, he's done Paul he, he's not interested in training anyone and then eventually he finds out that it's Apollo Creed's son and he's like all right let's give it a go it, naturally uh Creed's pretty good and he and they, they try to find some fights for him to sort of start sort of building up his I guess his rank and um, have some I guess title fights and so Creed is actually played by uh, Michael B. Jordan um, who we've seen in a, a couple of Amazon Prime or Prime video shows and he was also in, in Black Panther and he's he's a machine in this sport like he has been training you can you can tell like he's all he's already super fit super athletic but you can tell he's he's really put in the homework for this role and like Rocky movies are, are interesting right because I think you know in general when you talk about Rocky movies without sort of doing a bit of a deep dive they're kind of you know a bit of an 80s vibe like people sort of remember the kind of comical side of Rocky but the Rocky movies to me have always actually been pretty serious and they're they're kind of like they've got a real sort of heavy tone in them and it's only kind of the 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 memories people have of it that's kind of the the funny side and and Creed's no different so this is this is very much a an action drama film and I'll tell you Paul I loved it like it's great going back into the Rocky universe great scenes with Sloan again like I like He's great. Like again, another actor that gets a bit of a hard time for being a bit of an action hero, but fantastic. And I'll tell you what, I'm sign me up for Creed Two, which is also on Prime Video. I'm I'm definitely going to be watching it. Yeah, I was I was just looking through the Michael B. Jordan uh, list of films, and I saw I saw Creed Two. Then I had heard of it before, but firstly, Michael B. Jordan, absolutely superb. I I remember, you know, one of the things we loved about his. The movie without remorse was his sort of commitment to the role and what you say here if i can see from the pictures he's definitely committed into this what i'm most curious about is you've got sylvester stallone there do we have some flashbacks does carl weathers make an appearance in like a i don't know like a some sort of voiceover or any anything well there's definitely some um some flashback scenes but there's no uh no carl weathers in here but they do a real good job of kind of just talking about the whole Rocky universe and all of the other characters that uh, that you may remember from Rocky, from his coach at the time, like Mickey, and yep. they go to Mickey's gym, and obviously Mickey's not around anymore. Uh, we probably more commonly think of Mickey as the penguin um, in, the, in the Batman TV show, but all of the nostalgia's there, and I think that's what sort of got me so hyped up for for Creed Two. As I like just looking at the sort of the synopsis of that, this is lining up uh, Michael B. Jordan for a big fight with another of Rocky Balboa's sort of greatest nemesis over the over the Rocky movies. So it's just it's just a really good time. Um, I think you've got to like sort of sport drama type movies like you know if you like movies like million dollar baby and and, you know you've got fond memories of of rocky this is probably for you and as i say it's like it's action but it's it's very much about the the drama and the life and it's kind of like slow pace but 
sports action. So it's probably not for everyone, but I think if you're if you're a boxing fan, definitely check it out. And if you're a Rocky fan, you've probably already watched it. I'm probably a little bit late to the party here, but it's a it's just a really good watch. Oh, I'm fascinated. I love the idea of you know someone who, who like we talk about with Cobra Kai. So sort of, you know they come back as the as the trainer in the modern day and Sylvester Stallone doing that. I see, you know, he was in Creed two as well. I don't see him listed in the credits for Creed three. I see, of course, he did Rambo Last Blood. It's like every time you think, oh, that's his last one, it, he just keeps coming back with another. Uh, he's got Expendables four just wrapped as well. Um, it's classic. He's classic. You know what you're getting with Sylvester. And, it's good and you know like because you know Stallone he's a writer he's a director like Mm. he's he's as well as being sort of the the lack of a better term sort of the the jock like he's he's actually got I think the the good the goods as well so look highly recommended nice one now the next uh show I'd like to talk to you about Paul this is this is a this is a banger as they say so on Disney Plus here in New Zealand, or maybe Hulu if you're maybe in the States, is I've watched the the TV miniseries Pam and Tommy. Now, Pam and Tommy, just to sort of bring you up to speed here, this is basically, so came out this year, and it's the, basically, it's a, it's about the, the scandal surrounding uh, Pamela Anderson's and Tommy Lee's sex tape, which was leaked way back in the, in the 90s. Now, Paul, this this is a little bit scandalous for us to be talking about here on the podcast. Indeed. But I had a fantastic time. And so I want to sort of break down a little bit of, of the stuff going on in the story. I want to talk about the cast. I just want to talk about, you know, the, on the, the poster for this, it's got the words, the greatest love story ever sold. And I feel like going into this, I, I kind of had no idea what I was in for. Like I was super excited to see Sebastian Stan as to see him play Tommy Lee. And I was really intrigued about seeing Lily James play Pamela Anderson. And I'll tell you, Paul, fantastic casting and such a outrageous movie and a story that's just told from so many like different angles that kind of, you know, at, at surface level. I don't know about you, but you hear the word sex tape. You, in my mind, I'm like, what are you doing? What, what, are, you, what are you doing with these tapes? <laughs> right. what, why does it even exist? Like, you know, God, you're crazy. But this, I'm gonna, I'm gonna dip into light spoilers here. And it sort of, it happens in, in the first episode, but the whole way that this sort of breaks down and the timeline kind of jumps around a bit is so Tommy Lee. Just you know, just broken up from Heather Locklear. He's renovating his bachelor pad. He he's a he's a huge rock star, right? He's he's a, a drummer in Motley Crue, and he's got some tradies running this house. He's doing a bunch of work. He's been a bit of a nightmare for his tradies, to be honest. He's making kind of weird calls. He's getting them like to make these really big investments and sort of like I'll pay you once it's done. And so he's got these tradies, right? And he's kind of like, oh, move that beard like 10 feet to the left. Oh, I want a water beard now. I want, you know, all this sort of like crazy stuff. And basically like the, the, the trade is like, oh, my God, I've got like $17,000 on my credit card. Is he going to pay us? He's changing his mind every five minutes. Like it's all kind of all over the place. Long story short, Tommy ends up like firing these traders because they kind of ask one too many questions and they're getting kind of nervous about getting paid. And sort of long story short – I'll sort of jump jump forward a little bit. Tommy ends up in a sort of whirlwind sort of um, marriage love story with Pamela Anderson. Happens over four days. They they get uh, they get married, and one of the tradies, who's actually played by uh, Seth Rogen, 
breaks into his house to sort of like steal a safe um, to sort of like recoup some of the money and inside the safe they find this basically this this home movie which is on a you know high eight format no idea what's on it turns out to be it's actually a sex tape um never meant to be seen by anyone else and it just kind of like it's this crazy story of so Seth Rogen's character trying to sell, trying to basically like how can I get some money for this tape and it's kind of right at the dawn of the internet right like everyone's on dial-up no one really knows what the internet is or, or how to use it and then it basically goes through and sort of expands more on the story from all these different people's points of view and so you've kind of you know you sort of feel sorry for Seth Rogen because he's been ripped off but he's also done something terrible with sort of publishing this tape you kind of get to see the the love story between uh Tommy Lee who's a complete like like he's on the spice pool like he's hyped up he's like you know he's full out there rock star you get to sort of see a bit more about Pamela Anderson and she's like totally being like sexualized in all of her career through Baywatch and stuff like that and you you actually start to sort of you know you really feel sorry for like Pamela in particular like this is like she's right at sort of this point in her career where she's about to sort of I guess go big and then this happens and she just can't she's so embarrassed and she can't manage it and honestly Paul fantastic watch eight episodes long not each episode sort of you know 40-ish minutes I honestly really rate this one I, I don't know where to start here. I firstly, when you said I couldn't wait to see Sebastian Stan, I was like, I don't even know who this guy is. And then as soon as I click on his name and I see all the things come up, I know exactly why you know exactly who he is because he's he's your man, Bucky Barnes, uh, the Winter Soldier. Yeah, he's the Winter Soldier. And, yeah. you know, he's sort of the internet has a sort of prophecy about Sebastian Stan eventually playing uh, Luke Skywalker in any sort of like live live action because there's some great stuff on the internet of what Sebastian Stan would look like oh, yeah. as, a, as I, a young Luke Skywalker. I see it. It would totally work. And so, honestly, Paul, it's so good. And he, like, I don't even know anything about Tommy Lee, but I feel like, you know, from this, I, I sort of vaguely remember this happening in the, in the 90s, but probably sort of a bit too... Still, sort of, still young enough to sort of like, well, I don't know what the hell's going on here. Look, I like Baywatch, you know. But I, I feel like I feel like you educated me just even hearing you talk through what was going on and how it all came about. I don't think I knew any of that. Um, so that was interesting in itself. Lily James, um, when I heard her name, I was like, this is this is the same Lily James who you know, Downton Abbey, uh, War and Peace, and all these period dramas, um, Romeo and Juliet, just. Wow, that's that's a way, I guess, to break away from whatever you might be being typecast as, right? Oh, look, definitely. And I think what's really interesting is um, apparently Lily James tried to reach out to Pamela Anderson and uh, in, in the filming this and making this to try oh. to sort of get her consent or blessing, and and then Pamela never apparently got back to her. So there's sort of it's so this is sort of a I imagine a highly sort of dramatized version of events, but at the same time. I think what I really enjoyed most about this is just kind of the flashbacks to the to the 90s. Like it's got a banging soundtrack all the way through it. Just kind of, you know, so for example, Seth Rogen's characters, like just trying to think about like the internet and like we can't have like video on the internet. It's going to take like too long to load. Like it's going to be like we need 56K. Like and it's there's just all these sort of dramas and, you know, photos load really slowly on the internet and sort of appear like line by line and, and it's sort of a, a big story about how kind of everyone, apart from Pamela Anderson, to be honest, is basically a scumbag. And Pamela Anderson, complete victim in this story, and 
completely sort of, well, for me anyway, changed my view of a story. I, I knew very little about to start with, but it's a, just that, look, it's a, if you like the, if you like the sort of 90s, you're intrigued by the story. It's got some kind of crazy, kind of really out there moments, but it's a lot of fun. I remember, I remember the internet in the 90s, Dan. I remember being at university in like 94 or something and you'd sort of have to queue up at the library for a PC to become available. When you got there, you'd go to yahoo.com because that's what we did back in those days or Excite. And then you'd, you'd have to be really careful what you search for because it would take so long for the page to load that if you got it wrong, you'd be really cursing yourself. It's just, uh, it's just unthinkable. I was just looking at the cast, Dan, and one guy who caught my eye was Adam Ray. It was cast as Jay Leno. And I thought... Does he look like Jay Leno? I'm not sure. And then I clicked on him and then I clicked on one of the photos from the movie. In fact, it's the first movie, uh, sorry, the first photo that comes up when you click on Adam Ray. And it's it's impossible. It's incredible how much he looks like Jay Leno. It's a, they've done an amazing job with the chin. It's, it's just superb. Oh, yeah. There's some real over-the-top stuff like this and it kind of really makes you sort of think Jay Leno, a bit of a bit of a douchebag as well but it's again like some fantastic sort of casting and makeup effects another um you know sort of i guess surprise like i didn't even think about seth rogan being in this and he's a he's a real sort of star of it you've also got uh nick offerman from parks and rec mm. and he plays a character called uncle milty and he's basically like a bit of a uh always uh, well, a business owner and he basically makes like you know like home movies and pornography and stuff like that and he's a real scumbag as well and he sort of like ends up working with seth rogan's character to to try and sort of like sell this sell the sex tape and they try they basically they try to sell it via mail order and do you know what happens boys as soon as you obviously sell that via mail order you know it, people are making like you know copies of it and like you know all your you know your sales go out the window and the internet like you know this is a fascinating challenge at the dawn of the internet's era incredible well dan you always bring something different to the pod you've done it again it's a good one so you can watch this on disney plus here in new zealand um yes yeah, i say definitely not one for the for the youngins it's it's definitely r-rated but i think you know if you're if you're a, a child of the 80s or 90s like paul and i i think you're gonna have a good time with this one i think some of the content that's coming out um other other things like dope sick like, like, like even even maybe certain elements of other mainstream stuff you can see why they want to have a hulu streaming service coming in different places in the world it's kind of it doesn't feel like a disney plus if you say it's hulu oh yeah that feels about right yeah no definitely definitely it, it doesn't quite compute but i think it it's they've, they've got some solutions in place shall we uh jump on over to our movie of the week yeah, so every weekend we announce in our Discord community which movie we're going to watch for our movie of the week feature the following week. And so if you join our Discord community, you can find out what we're going to watch. This week, Dan, we have gone with the 2021 movie Nightmare Alley. Yeah, so this is a movie about a grifter working his way up from low-ranking carnival worker to lauded psychic medium who matches his wits with a psychiatrist bent on exposing him. It's got a, a pretty star-studded cast, to be honest. Stars Bradley Cooper, Kate Blanchett, Tony Collette, William Dafoe, Richard Jenkins. The, the the list goes on. It's a. I've got to be honest, Paul. Going into this one, I didn't really know what to expect, but had a great time. I saw the poster and straight away was like, oh yeah, that looks that looks a bit different. Then I sort of found out it's about a carnival. When was the last time I watched a movie about a carnival? 
So I was I was definitely intrigued to watch it as well. For me, this movie, the look, the style, the feel, it's just visually a treat. It's an immaculate, um, faultless visual sort of perspective. It's just, it's a masterpiece, and and I guess it has that great Del Toro quality that you would associate with the look and feel of his movies. It's a little bit like, you know, just talking about um, Pam and Tommy. It's sitting on Disney Plus, so I'm sort of like looking at the poster. It's very sort of dark and sort of got this noir type vibe. And I'm sort of thinking, am I coming into a bit of a Downton Abbey type vibe yep. or yep. Gilded Age type thing? But it's this is a movie, I think, which has like real kind of like major kind of pieces of the puzzle that come together. And by the end of the movie – it was really one of the ones for me where I was like, I almost want to like hit play again and kind of like retake in some of the, some of those sort of scenes because so much happens. It's interesting. Cause I, I, <laughs> I just listed some great things about the look and feel and the style. And I loved all of those things. And uh, as you were talking about the cast, I mean, William Defoe for me, that's, that's, that was just such a, such an incredible performance from him. He's an actor who I just feel like I haven't seen enough of, um, we saw him in in the lighthouse uh, recent, well, not a couple of maybe a year ago, I don't know. Um, and then obviously, you know, Spider Man and various things. But he's just he seems to be peaking at a late age for me. But honestly, that's that's probably where I'm going to stop on the good train and start getting on the. I, I for me, putting aside the clever moments and the trickery. Which, which you would expect with the the tricks and trade of a, of a kind of I found all of that so fascinating about how things were done and how I would be totally taken in as a member of the audience. But to watch it behind the scenes, it's really clever. Um, it just it never grabbed me. It, for me, it went on too long. I there wasn't enough. I don't know uh, tension or drama or intrigue or mystery, and I just. I was sitting there and I was just, I said to Diana, I said, I just want this to end so I can go back to Golden Age. I, I didn't enjoy it as a movie, but from a visual perspective, I, and the production, it has the look and feel of something that's absolutely fantastic. I just didn't enjoy it. It's interesting, right? Because I kind of had the, the opposite experience where in the first sort of like 30 minutes, I'm like, oh, is this going to be any good? Like, have we got another kind of, uh, bit of a dad of the week? But I'll tell you what happened is for me, it kind of went the opposite way where I was kind of like, oh, I'm not sure I'm kind of vibing this. And by the end, I was so hooked in and it turned out to be a movie I've absolutely loved. Yeah, so there was a couple of things at the end. And again, we're talking minor, minor spoilers to anyone's listening, but I'm going to use a term which I don't think anyone will recognize anyway. But when Bradley Cooper at the end, when it's when it sort of comes full circle and he becomes the the geek or the gook, whatever that, the geek, the geek oh. yeah, it was geek, yeah. I couldn't remember what the like. It's not a geek in the in the term that I understand a geek to be, but how that comes around, that was quite cleverly done. I feel like I would be tempted to watch the original movie just to see how it sort of. I, I always you know how we did with Papillion. I always love seeing the the original and just seeing how they how they drew things from that. But there are lots of positives here. The 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 cast uh, Rooney Mara uh, was great. Um, David. David Strathen, who I know recently from watching all the Bourne movies, I thought he was fantastic as well. There was a lot of great things in here. Holt, uh, Holt McCallany from Mindhunter, 
great i feel like if this is your vibe if this is your type of movie you will enjoy it and probably don't pay too much attention to me but because it's got all the other ingredients it's interesting right because i remember it's been a long time since i watched it uh a tv series on hbo called carnival and it was sort of a i think there might have only been two seasons from memory uh, and it's it was always kind of like real kind of intriguing. It kind of went into a bit of a uh, quirky sort of uh, horror type space at times. But it's sort of I, I always sort of enjoyed that series. I enjoyed kind of the the peek behind the curtains of the carnival. And I think what I kind of enjoyed about this is you know Bradley Cooper kind of almost for me a role I wouldn't really expect him to play. But I just sort of enjoyed his journey of you know meeting meeting the the carnival. Um, people kind of learning a bit of a, a trade, his kind of journey as a character from kind of coming from nothing, working his way up, then leaving the carnival, becoming a bit of a, a superstar and being so sort of obsessed with money and just sort of the the circular journey that is his character kind of goes on from kind of nothing all the way to kind of the, living his best life and, and kind of back to nothing, which is yeah. kind of the, the crux of the movie, I guess. Yeah, no, that, that, was, that was good and that that circular bit that's exactly what i was trying to get to and in terms of carnivals i was just stretching my mind i think the only thing i've ever watched about a carnival was actually in season three of heroes when um uh they just have a whole season that's based out at a carnival but um i came out of this movie um knowing that i didn't it didn't vibe for me and unlike other movies you know like when you and i have sat here and watched um Bill and Ted three face the music and in other movies where we haven't. And I'm like, that's, that's how I feel. And, and I stand by my words. I kind of came out of this for some reason. I felt, I'll say I felt bad, but I felt like, am I uncultured or something? Because this is obviously less Hollywoody and it's something I feel like it's a bit of an arty movie. And I feel like I should have appreciated it more or, or something because, you know, there was so much there. And even as you say, Bradley Cooper, he's, he's someone who never, in my mind, I'm never really overly, blown away by but in this i would say this is as good as i've ever seen him well it's funny right like you say bradley cooper to me and the first movie i think of is uh the hangover, hangover yeah and then i probably think of him as like rocket recurring in um guardians of the galaxy oh yeah and but and so this is sort of and i guess movies like limitless but yeah this is this is a little bit different for me and i think the other thing that kind of surprised me is you know on the poster We've obviously got Tony Collette and we've got Kate Blanchett, and you know they're they're like Kate Blanchett's probably sort of got a, a bigger role, but Tony Collette's role is quite small in the sort of the scheme of this this whole movie. Um, and same with William Defoe, right? Like it's you've kind of got a whole bunch of powerhouses in here, but then it's interesting that and it kind of I guess not not surprised me, but kind of threw me that they weren't sort of more regular features for the whole for the whole feature. Yeah, well, it was a long time before Kate Blanchett's character came into the movie uh, as well when she's front and center on the poster too but that again that dynamic she had with with Brody Kipper that that was good too there was just so many elements of this that just felt good um I can't put my finger on it but um I'm still going to recommend it to people as a watch I know I I did this uh last week with old so uh, you know when am I not going to recommend something but I feel like if if this you know if this is your vibe i think you would really enjoy it yeah look i would probably give this personally i'd probably give this a maybe a, a three three guns a combo for me what are you going for there paul i'm gonna come in with a gun and a half which is outrageous a gun and a half crikey because i only gave um 
only, I only gave uh, Face the Music a gun, and I only gave what was that movie we also watched? It was we had two in a row that were bad. There was the one with um, McCarthy. What's her name from Bride? Bridesmaids. It was, oh yeah, yeah. I, I don't, and I gave that one a gun as well. So I'm giving this a gun and a half. But um, oh, the Netflix one. The um, God, I know. Yep. Anyway. Yep. Yep. Um. Oh well. Look, we uh, we're not always in sync here on the Half Age podcast. In fact, I almost enjoy it more when we're not in sync on these movies. Yeah. I think sometimes when we're we're both giving these glorious reviews, it often feels a, a little bit uh, insincere. But I think. You know, like I, I really loved it, and I think this has always kind of been a, a bit of a fascinating genre for me. Just noting it, it did take me about thirty minutes to kind of get into it, and and it is a long movie. So yeah, I, and and I think you know you're right. Like this probably isn't a movie for everyone, but I think there's definitely far worse things that you could be watching out there. Thunder Force was the name of the movie that's currently still trending at four point four out of ten. I had a question for you, but I, I don't know. I need to ask it now. I was going to say, did this movie need a full Daniel Whiting thirty-minute shave off the top, or make this into a three-part miniseries and let people have it in small pieces? Yeah, I think a, a miniseries could have been could have been the go for this. Um, I think you know that would have probably because it feels like one of those movies to me with chapters right mm. and because very much there's kind of like we're now closing this chapter and we're moving on to something completely different and that's sort of the the interesting thing about this movie and i think you know two and a half hours for a movie like this is never quite right in my mind like you know you know these movies like the batman and it's like three hours long and it's like every moment of it's like amazing uh, or, or like the lord of the rings or whatever it is like there's movies like that really deserve it but i think sometimes on a movie like this it's a little bit self-indulgent so yeah. i think you've got to ideally keep it around that around that two hour mark or you've maybe if you're going to stream in anyway like why not make it a three-parter and i think that's it's kind of this weird psychology thing right because like Imagine if the the Gilded Age, for example, was released as a ten hour movie. You'd be like, That's right. "What the hell are you thinking?" But because it's called ten episodes, you're like, "Sign me up." The Zack Snyder cut. Yeah, no, it's um, that's exactly how it works. And I wonder if that sign me up factor would have applied for me if it was delivered in a different manner. I don't know, but there we go. Mm. Look, I think it's. Uh, I think a lot of people will probably give this one a miss because I think you, the poster's already got a vibe, which is not going to be for everyone. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, there you have it, guys. Watch it on uh, Disney Plus if you're interested. Dan, of um, of everything you've watched this week and talked about on the podcast, what's your pick of the week? It's got to be Pam and Tommy. Yep, just, you I, know, I felt that coming. I think because it was, it was just so different to what I was expecting, and I kind of went into it with this kind of like preset kind of mindset that like oh, I kind of know what's happening here. It's like going to be a bit ridiculous and a bit over the top and i kind of came out of it just having a complete kind of like i just felt so sorry for pamela anderson and i and i just it's made it's you know i know there's a lot of like celebrity sex tape scandals kind of out there but it's just it's kind of made me made me think so differently about them and that like you know the the view that you might have of uh, people in these situations is it's just not that black and white Nice. My my choice obviously is the this is the obvious one because there's nothing else on my radar this week. Gilded Not really. <laughs> yeah. oh. If if you, the thing is for me is if you like Danton Abbey or if you like Belgravia or if you like Gossip, you you're probably on this already. 
but uh, if those things necessarily aren't necessarily your thing, don't discount this. So if you want something different to Downton Abbey, this is it. This is literally uh, all about life on the street. And because it's an American thing, it's so it's so different. It's a it's a great watch. So those are our picks of the week, Dan. But what do you have for us on your must lauded news desk? I don't have a lot for you this week, but I do have a couple of small items. So Christina Rigi, who you may remember from uh, the Adams Family, she is actually going to be in the new Netflix Adam Fam- Adams Family series, but she's not coming back as as Wednesday, which she played Wednesday in the in the movies, which is interesting. Big fan of Christina Rigi, loved her recently in Yellow Jackets. You should definitely watch that if you haven't. So that will be interesting. We don't know what role she's going to play, so I'm sure we'll get more in the coming months. Cool. Um, so last week we mentioned how the the Netflix Marvel shows of Daredevil, Punisher, um, Iron Fist, Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, etc., have appeared on Disney, and a number of people were going to be concerned that. Disney might actually censor some of those those films, but they have appeared uncut and in their full glory, which is, uh, I guess, much to the delight of many fans. Because mm. particularly Daredevil and The Punisher, they've got some oh yeah some quite sort of dark and, and violent scenes. Especially that and Punisher that, season one, I seem to recall, was real brutal. And I think season two of Daredevil, where The Punisher is kind of introduced, like that's kind of a yes another sort of real real violent scene. Um, speaking of Daredevil. More rumours have started to emerge that Disney is very keen on kind of rebooting the the Daredevil series, and apparently it looks like things are kind of moving ahead. So we might hear more about that in the in the coming months. I know that's going to be a delight to many people. Uh, what else have we got here? Uh, the Mandalorian season three has recently added Christopher Lloyd as a he's going to appear as a special guest on the on the show. Um, Christopher Lloyd, for those who, who don't know, which I can't imagine as many people, you may remember as Doc from Back to the Future. That's amazing. I I I, I love him as an actor and he was he's crossed that line into Star Trek and now he's gonna go Star Wars. That's brilliant. Speaking of Doc and Back to the Future, uh, this is not quite sort of movie TV news, but it's got a, it's got a linkage, so I thought I'd bring it to you today. Is that Lego has, or they're about to release a DeLorean Lego set, and it's coming out on April first. And what's quite cool about this set, if you are a Back to the Future fan, is you can choose to make basically car one, two, or three from the movies from the same set. So oh, that's brilliant. I love stuff like that. Yeah, that's really good. So it's like, yeah, normally the creator sets where you can make three things like a helicopter, a boat, and a car, and none of them look like an actual thing. <laughs> this this yeah. sounds like it'd be a completely different experience. That's great. Yeah, look, even just looking at the photos right now, like this is very cool. And I think if you're a Back to the Future fan, and this would be probably quite a hefty investment, you might even want to buy this set three times because the three cards <laughs> look pretty great sitting next to each other. Um, and to see them all there is it's pretty awesome. Uh, what else have we got here? And then last thing from me. So the Batman um, has already brought in more than half a billion dollars in the global box office. Incredible. Not surprising though, really. Not surprising. Not surprising. You know, Bruce Wayne, that's that's real Bruce, Bruce Wayne money, come to think of it, isn't it? It really is, yeah. I don't know what the emo Bruce Wayne might do with that money, but there we go. And that is all that's on my desk. Anything on your end, Paul? Uh, just a couple of, TV shows that have been 
confirmed and one that's been cancelled. I'll start with the one that's been cancelled. So, and this, I think we already accepted it probably was, is Clarice. So we watched season one of that and we both enjoyed it. And so it's a real shame for me because I felt like they did a really good job with this, um, with the casting of Clarice, with the, um, uh, I can't think of his name now, the dude from Walking Dead who who plays... Um, I'm going to say Abraham. Yeah, I, I thought it was so good. They 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 cancelled it. They tried to move it to Paramount, Paramount Plus, which wouldn't have been much use to us anyway in New Zealand, but they weren't even interested. So, so yeah, so that is gone for good. This is what kind of uh, frustrates me and makes me worried about all these different streaming services. Like there's just so many of them. If something doesn't become an immediate hit and there's another uh, streaming provider picks it up, it just feels like there's going to be more on the cutting room floor than ever. It always annoys me going off topic when it's something that's so different to anything else and is a very specific market. I feel there's so much stuff out there. It's like, why is the one thing that I'm interested? In? Like I felt like this, this way with Hannibal when they they cancelled that. That was one of the the greatest. You know, we talked about it months and months ago as a cancelled series, but it's just I don't know. There's there's something about that universe. It just I guess numbers are what counts in the end, right? numbers and dollars and and i guess there's just not enough people out there but um on the on the good side vigil season two has now been confirmed and is is underway so that was a series that you and i enjoyed about the the submarine drama and a show that i really enjoyed um cb strike um season five has been confirmed it's gonna be called troubled blood it's going to have four hour episodes it was one of my favorite discoveries i came across it last year and the series actually started back in 2017 i went back and watched it all just four sort of like really short seasons so i can't wait for a fifth season that's awesome that is uh me over on the mailbag then uh we got a tweet this week at half measures pod from sir bruce gray of scotland who said, after you were so kind to answer my film questions, I was wondering if you fancy revisiting your TV history growing up through a few questions. So you may recall, and listeners who've been with us for a while, way back in podcast 53, in fact, we answered some questions about uh, films that Bruce posed to us. And so we now have six questions then which I remember sending through to you early in the week, so I hope you've had a chance to look at it, um, for TV shows. So question number one, first TV show you remember watching religiously? Oh, these, are, these are good questions, and I, I appreciate Bruce. He's a, he's a special part of the, the Half Measures community, so definitely thanks for, for writing in. I think for me, the first show I remember watching religiously is probably The Muppet Show. I have very fond memories of sitting in the lounge. On We used to have this, this little um, cane chair. I'm pretty sure my mum might have even made it. And I remember sitting there having my, my juice or something and watching the Muppet <laughs> Show. And I, I, I just remember every week just being so excited by it. I, I remember having the Muppets t-shirt. I remember having like a, a fuzzy bear. And it was just a, it was a cool part of my life. Little did you know that years later you'd turn into Statler and Waldorf and have a podcast. Um, I love that. I also watched that. That's a that's a really good show, actually. Um, I actually went with the 1960s uh, Batman series. It was it was just something that always played 
this is when I was back in the UK. It used, it used to play on a on a Saturday lunchtime on ITV, and it was always a treat to have come back in the in the morning, having gone to the the shops or whatever with the parents to come back and know that lunch was always going to be a good lunch because it wasn't a school packed lunch, and we were going to get to watch Batman. And that was that was where my love of Batman really started, I guess, in terms of you know where that sprung from. I mean, I still we still have the Blu-ray set of the old series now and we still pull them out every now and then just just so much love for that show it's good good shout question two dan tv show you wanted to be on growing up i'm a little bit torn on this one and i've kind of got two shows and i'll tell you what paul as i watched them both in black and white and like my dad was a big fan of these shows and i wonder whether they had a bit of a an influence on it for me but the two shows that come to mind for this for me are actually like the the adams family and the beverly hillbillies and i think for some reason like when when i as as a as a youngin i just you know look i you know i'll take a shovel to the backyard and see if there's oil in in our grass or you know just you know going to the adam family house and just you know getting to experience these these fun quirky sort of monsters just seemed like such a good time to me that's so great great those great two choices i was really unsure what was going to follow the answer i was wondering who's gonna be the monsters for a minute um i god if i was gonna have two because i was actually thinking i'd quite like to be on bullseye with jim bowen um there'll be a very select number of people who know what i'm talking about but uh I really wanted one of the squeezy bullies that they give away as a prize. But if I put my love of that game show aside, I my choice was actually going to be the A-Team. I felt like I just... That was, again, it's another Saturday show. This is a Saturday late afternoon show. So you sort of, you know, just getting ready for tea. And I just absolutely wanted to be a part of it. I believed in their cause. I, I knew even at that age that they were they were doing things for the right reasons. I loved all the the subterfuge, the the plans, which always came together, obviously, the, the particularly face sort of going in in a disguise. And I just thought it looked like a great time. And I wanted to be the fifth member of the A-team because there was room for a fifth member. So was face your favourite? Oh, that's a question, Dan. I I think because I, I, I was young, but I was old enough to know that he was um, Starbuck. And so I think I did have a, a, a bit of a, a fondness for him for that. But um, Murdoch, as a kid, of course, was just instantly drawn to him because he's just crazy. Uh, yeah, I was going to say, who's, uh, God, I can't think of his name, the guy with the, the white hair and the cigar. Hannibal, the, Hannibal Smith. Ha- oh, Hannibal, favourite, favourite. Yep. Always thought it was so, so cool to walk around with a, you know, a bit of a, you know, the space cigarettes that you could get as a kid and they, you know. Yes. So good. And a great white jacket. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, question three. TV show your whole family would sit down to watch together? Oh, th- this is a, a tough one um, for me, but I think the one that kind of sticks out of my mind is, is probably The Simpsons, to be honest. And oh, yeah. I, I, I've told that story on the, on the pod where I got to be on the review committee for my family to see whether my sister could watch The, right. the Simpsons. And it you know, once it got approved and through the board, then it just became a, a regular family viewing activity. That's great. I um, I actually went with Columbo, and this was actually the what was at the time called New Columbo. So this was the sort of like when he came back in the late eighties, early nineties, and did sort of like a, another run of show, run of series when he was much older. Um, just a great. I mean, I, you know, you, how often do I bring a 
a police drama to to this podcast. Really? It's, it's like, like a period drama or a police drama. Um, and I just, I think it all started back then. And what I still maintain to this day that no other TV show does is how Columbo always starts with, here's the crime and here's how they did it. And then this old disheveled guy walks in, not really knowing what time of day is, barely knows what's in his pockets. And I, I just, I loved it. I love this question, actually. This was my favorite question of the lot because it's it's one of the things I think about, like when I, I love Friday night movies, um, when we sit down, because, you know, our son is now, you know, he's, he's turning 13 this year. And so, you know, we've, we've watched the whole stream of, Terminator movies and Hunger Game movies and the Bomb movies and the Bourne movies and there's another franchise on the way and I I sort of hope that in years to come he'll look back and think, oh, I still love it when we'd sit down and, you know, watch that show. Well, eventually, Paul, I imagine we're going to have to hand the reins of the podcast over to your son to, to take on our legacy. That's, that's, that's what his inheritance is all about, I think, at this mm. point. Question four, uh, a memorable TV moment you remember seeing as a child, for example who shot JR, that kind of thing. Well, the one that really stuck out for me, Paul, is this is another one that we kind of watch quite regularly as a family, but MASH, so the Mobile Army Surgical Hospital. And so the sort of slapstick comedy of the uh, these army doctors and, and the Korean War. But I'll tell you, the moment that really sticks in my mind is I remember, spoilers for anyone that hasn't seen MASH, which <laughs> finished screen in 1983, <laughs> On, on one of the episodes, the, the colonel uh, finally ends up um, basically getting his pass to go home. And so sort of the episode sort of ending where they say goodbye to him and then sort of a disaster happens and they're having to sort of, you know, perform some surgeries on some, some soldiers. And then over the, over the speaker, an announcement gets made that the, the colonel's uh, helicopter or plane got shot down on his way home and he died and honestly, Paul, I'm still emotionally scarred from that scene. I just remember being so upset that that, that they'd killed his character. He was already he was I, gone. He was leaving, and just it was just the, the I remember like um, Radar's voice saying that that his his plane's been shot down. That was devastating. I could see it in your face. I can see it still affecting you now. It's like the He-Man battle axe story. It's there's still something there under the surface. I can feel it. Um, for me, I like. There was a few things, like I felt like the death of Optimus Prime watching in the Transformers was an obvious one for me to go to. But actually, in terms of memorable for me, in terms of like it have had an effect on me, it was like it was 1988's Doctor Who during the seventh season of Sylvester McCoy's run in remembrance of the Daleks. And the reason it was memorable was because as a kid, I was terrified of the Daleks and, you know, the whole classic Doctor Who hide behind the catch type thing. But as a kid, you could always, you know, you could always run away and go upstairs to your bedroom and be safe in the knowledge that the Daleks couldn't get upstairs. Well, not anymore. In 1988, the Dalek came up to the the first step and just underneath it, just put on the R2-D2, you know, little boosters that we never knew they had, where they'd been hiding those throughout all the, you know, the, the first sort of two decades. And, um, up the stairs the Daleks went it was just I was just a moment I was like I don't know it's kind of like finding out that spiders could fly or or, or snakes I don't I don't know what the analogy is it's kind of like if you've got a thing that you know you can get away from mm, it's stuck with I get me it. it's stuck with me uh, number five Dan television hero um 
there's so many and you know I, I sort of thought about shows like like Knight Rider and, and stuff like that but I think that the real television heroes for me and I'm, I'm going back quite young it has got to be the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles like such I, I just love the series it took a long time for it to to come to um, Hawks Bay when this this was a, a cartoon show that was on I think Channel 3. And so growing up, we only had Channel 1 and Channel 2. And then when they slowly, slowly kind of rolled out Channel 3, eventually we got it. The great, one of the greatest days of my life. I finally got to tune into Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. I spent many an hour dressing up as a Ninja Turtle Paul and me and my friends playing, playing as the Turtles, watching the Turtles. It's Turtle time. Photographs of Dan dressed up as a Turtle are available to Patreon members. Um, this was the toughest question for me and I wasn't quite sure which direction it was sort of going in or aimed at because it was quite a brief question, but I, because I really wanted to say Des Lynam, but in the end I went with Optimus Prime. I just, I just feel like as a hero, as a, someone growing up and like, I, I could recognize him as someone to turn to as a leader, as, as, as a strong character, as a good character, as a good personality and i just wanted that optimus prime toy more than anything else i could still see it in the argos catalog sitting there for i think it was 24 24 pounds 99 pence and then when it turned up it had red feet instead of blue feet it was it was obviously they painted it wrong and that was my prime for years and yeah so for me uh i'd have to go with optimus prime final question dan greatest tv theme tune this is tough, Paul. Like, this is... There's so many. This is a podcast in We've itself, talked about think, doing a Paul. podcast on this, haven't we? Yeah, yeah. I've decided to go a little bit kind of left field with this as I think this TV show has a very special place in my heart. And every time I hear it, it kind of just brings me a, a bit of joy. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to go with the, the opening theme, The Blackadder. Like, Brilliant. I just... I just love I, I love Blackadder growing up. I love kind of the the clumsiness of of the character and how it changes through the different seasons, and it's just really memorable for me. I love that. I this yeah. I mean, I, I took this to be in in the spirit of the the period of the other questions, you know, growing up, and so again, you know, things with sporting things like the theme tune to, to Grandstand or Match of the Day were, were right up there. But in the end. And I think this still holds true today if we were to look and bring everything in. Knight Rider. The theme tune to Knight Rider for me was just, you know, there's there's credits that you might fast forward or skip, whatever, but it's such an integral part of it. And yeah, it was it didn't take me long once I once I decided to put sporting things to one side, I was like, Yeah, yeah, Knight Rider for me. I'll tell you what, I almost wanted to put in here for, for this question is the Baywatch theme, but I, I didn't want to, after talking about Pam and Tommy, I didn't want to do the disservice for it. Yeah. So Great questions, bro. Yeah, great questions. We do love to be asked questions then because, you know, we ask a lot of questions. It's always good to be on the other side of them. Uh, so thanks for writing in. Just to finish off our mailbag segment this week, Dan, uh, last week's peak performance we had uh Kate Winslet, as requested by uh, by Michael over in America's uh, fine South Atlantic region, I guess that is. Um, and so it's only fitting, of course, that he 
give us his big performance. He actually gave us a 3-2-1 with an honourable mention for Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, a runner-up of Mayor of Easttown, and a number one of Heavenly Creatures. So he may have switched those two around based on your choices, Dan, but uh, that was his. Back home here, we had Ollie from Bay of Plenty, who went with Divergent. Um, I remember watching those movies. That was in Insurgent and Divergent. I thought it was not a bad little series, actually, um, you know, like a sort of like a teenage type. And finally, Paddy from Time Traveling Team Podcast, he gave us 321 again The Life of David Gale, Titanic, and peak performance was for. 2006's The Holiday and just quickly on the subject of Time Travelling Tink Podcast anyone who's been with us for a while will know but for new listeners this is a weekly Doctor Who podcast reviewing one story at a time all the way from the very beginning and as of this week episode 75 for them here in March 2022 they've moved into the fourth Doctor they've moved into the Tom Baker era and I just feel like if you could imagine doing a weekly podcast of Doctors, no matter where your favourite Doctor might sit, you know when you're getting to Tom Baker, you're right into the thick of, this is, you're really into, you know, just legendary status of Who. Yeah, well, you kind of, I guess, get into the the Doctor Who that, that I guess kind of you and I probably grew up with, who's probably a little bit more familiar, right? And I imagine probably some of our listeners, are, you know, unless you're, you're a, a big uh, Doctor Who fan, this is probably uh, a great time to jump in. It really is, yeah. So you can find them on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram at Time Temp, T-I-E-T-I-M-E-T-E-A-M-P. Um, and yeah, episode 75, starting off with the Tom Baker era. It's um, If you're a fan of it, get amongst that. That is our mailbag this week, though, Dan. All right, shall we jump on into our peak performance for this week? Indeed, so much like movie of the week, every week Dan and I take it in terms to choose someone from holiday, from holiday, from Hollywood, uh, actor, actress, producer, or on occasion, the director's chair, which I see Dan, you have brought back this week because you've gone with Sam Mendes. I have indeed, and I, you know, we don't do directors very often, but it's uh it's, you know, because, you know, often directors might only have one or two hits, but we were talking about Sam Mendes in last week's episode, mm. and he's just done so many great movies. I thought, you know what? Let's get him in the chair. Let's have a chat. Let's see what he's all about. Um, I really struggled, actually, but when I think, you know, sometimes it's easier to get two. This week, no chance. So I'm really hoping that we've, uh, we've gone for some different movies to cover some of the great stuff he's done. But I'll, I'll let you kick us off. Intriguing, yeah, because I, I looked at this as well and I struggled too. But in the end, when I had my two, I thought, oh, I reckon Dan might have these two as well. So let's test that. So my honourable mention, uh, I've gone with the 2019 movie, 1917. Um, and this movie I remember reviewing on the podcast. I remember making reference to the direction of this movie specifically. Not not so much some of the the... The, the writing maybe because he wrote this as well but the direction there was like these do you remember those really long like there was a an eight and a half minute long i think was the longest uninterrupted shot and sam mendes just delivers those scenes so well there's some of the most incredible cinematography um there's there's that plane that's in the sky and then you see it from a distance and it crashes and lands right next to you where the camera is 
it's it's a hundred percent one of the great directorial efforts um from anyone and for sam mendes for it to come in number two for me um is a testament to how much i rate my number one and that is 2012's skyfall which um maybe there's a case of recency for me here because there's there's a few movies that i love of his but i just can't say enough about this movie i mean bear in mind what three pod three or four podcasts ago i i ranked all the movies it came in fourth out of the 26 bond movies and so that says enough i think it was it was it was also the you know it was the movie that got sam mendes back in the director's chair for the next james bond movie which you know this isn't back-to-back movies for a director hadn't happened since the 1980s with john glenn so that speaks to again how great a job he did with skyfall um yeah, there's uh, look. There's so much about this movie I love. The action, the scenes at the end in Scotland are really great scenic ones. The t- tension, the emotional side of it, the action side, just great. Those are my choices, Dan. I'm gone with 1917 and Skyfall. Great choices. Um, so we've got one similar and one new one. So nice. for my honourable mention, I also went with 1917. And... I think for me, I think from memory, it might have been the last movie I saw in the theatre before we kind of went into oh, yeah. COVID lockdown. Yeah. And so um, it always kind of had a bit of a special place. And I, I, I'm really glad I saw that one in the theatre. Like I think it was just such a an experience and the, you know, as you say, the, the, the sound landscape and just the way some of those scenes play out, just incredible. And I very nearly put Skyfall in as my number one, but I just kind of nudged it out, actually. And I've gone for a bit of a controversial one. I've gone for 1999's American Beauty. So this is one of, I think, the first movies of this sort of style that kind of surprised and delighted me I guess like it was kind of a a movie I didn't expect to like a movie I I didn't know if it was for me and I know that you know Kevin Spacey's kind of a taboo topic in Hollywood circles right now but this is I just thought it was such a a great well-done movie about this guy having this midlife crisis and you know becoming sort of obsessed with his um, daughter's best friend and just kind of it just really kind of I think when I think about this movie, it kind of speaks to a, a period of time and, and kind of our, in our sort of lifetime or our sort of history that's kind of, that is American Beauty. And it's 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 got such a great cast. And even looking at it, it's got Wes Bentley from Yellowstone, believe it or not. So right. um, uh, this is, uh, for me, my peak performance. So 1917 and American Beauty. I'm going to be intrigued to see what, some of our listeners write in with next week. No, yeah, for sure. Because American Beauty, of course, is, I know he did a TV movie before that, but this was basically his first, this, his first go on the big screen. And I mean, he really, that really got him on the, on the radar of everyone. And of course, you know, it won five Oscars. It's so highly rated. And this is, you know, in American Beauty, like I cut, this is where you kind of get like, House of Cards, Kevin Spacey vibes. Like it's yes. it's that very sort of dry kind of fourth wall breaking. Um, yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting one. It took all of my self restraint to to not choose Road to Perdition with Paul Newman, Tom Hanks, Daniel Craig, Jude Law. I mean, I'm not just trying to throw another movie in there for the hell of it, but I I just feel like 
there was just a lot of strong contenders. There's nothing, he doesn't do, there's no filler. You know what I mean? Like if you look at his movies, there's something in every one of his movies that just is, is worthwhile. It's great. Great show. Well, even even just sort of thinking about the movie Jarhead, and it's been a long time since I've seen that movie, but I wonder, like, you know, going back to watch it now, it might even have even more of a sort of a special place and maybe bump it up. So great director, love his work, um, always going to be watching what he brings out. 100%. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of another episode of the Half Measures podcast. It does indeed. Thanks for listening in this week. Um, if you've got questions for us, like Bruce, we want to hear them. If you've got suggestions for us, if you've got a peak performance suggestion, a movie suggestion, TV recommendation, let us know. Online, meanwhile, if you're looking to see what we've reviewed previously, we mentioned previously about our movie reviews that are online. Our TV reviews are now also live on the website, so you can go back through and see in which podcast we talked about which shows and which episodes. So if you have missed something, if you're new to the podcast, go to halfmeasurespodcast.com and have a look on there to see what we've already talked about. Such a great resource. Um, All right, a special shout-out as well to our Patreon producers. Um, So we have Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Linda Tevner. If you two would like to become a Patreon producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.